Wonderful. Book by book, how thrilled we are here in London, England, to have you joining us in this, well, we call it the garden room of a house in Ealing, which is really just on the edge of London and within earshot of Heathrow Airport. And we're coming to number 10 now in our series of studies on the book of Isaiah. I'm Richard Bewes, joined here once again by Paul Blackham and then also by our special visitor and contributor, Alec Matea. And as we come to our study today, well, it's the last one, so it's Isaiah chapter 60 to 66, and we're calling it The Glory of the New Creation. Why don't I start with chapter 60 and just read it a little bit for us all. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples, but the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes, and look about you. All assemble and come to you. Your sons come from afar, and your daughters are carried on the arm. Then you will look and be radiant. Your heart will throb and swell with joy. Oh, yes, the believer, the heart does throb and swell with joy, even when darkness seems to rule in certain situations. I mean, chapter 60 features Christ's light, as we would understand it, shining universally. Mm. So I suppose I could ask this among us all, does this prophecy stretch beyond the present age to, say, the new creation itself? Mm. Look on, perhaps, Paul, can you give us some I, guidance? Yeah. Well, I, I, I love that, because it's, it's, it, it begins now, and you think, yeah, darkness covers the earth, and then the light of Christ shines, and, and we see that happening, and then these uh, sort of, this is the sort of language that gets read at Christmas again time, where it's about the darkness covers the earth, and the Lord rises, Christ comes and shines his light, but of course, there's that set, the, the, the light of Christ is just always bigger and bigger. And, and it is, I love the fact that in Genesis 1, the light shines before there are any created oh, light sources. Yeah. Yeah. And there's that way in which the whole Bible ends with actually quoting from this very chapter. The fact that, uh, well, we know it's like we get that vision of the city of God where the gates are always open and John picks that up at the end as well in his vision of the new creation. But here in verses 19 and 20, the sun will no more be your light by day, nor will the brightness of the moon shine on you, for the Lord himself will be your everlasting light, your God will be your glory. I love that vision that... There's this shining light. Even now, we experience Christ's light shining upon us, even in the darkness. And we're like, oh, I see, I see now. But we look forward and think there's, a, there's this time coming where this, 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 this glory and light of Christ is, is the only light. And actually that happens, surely, in things like refugee camps. Mm. We know that from all over the world where God's light is shining through devoted friends there who are either coming from outside or who are already there, mm. just bringing their witness, their love, their light, their encouragement, mm -hmm. even into the dark places. It's, it's happening even today. Paul said two most important words, even now, when he was speaking. Yeah. I mean, the light will shine with an intensity that's unimaginable mm. when Jesus comes again. Mm. But 
chapter 60 is an even now chapter. Mm. Even now we're meant to be what we will be. Mm. Even now we're to live as what we are in Christ. And, and this, this is a, it's a wonderful picture of, of, a universe, of a worldwide church gathering. It's a wonderful picture of the church making progress against the forces of the world. Yes. And that's an even now chapter. It is. These great readings, Alec. This is a glorious reading right through 60. Yeah. Now 61, look at this. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. That was used by Jesus, wasn't it? It was, yeah. For his reading in the home synagogue at Nazareth, yeah. as we learned from Luke chapter 4. And... Have we some idea, Alec, as to why actually Jesus would have chosen? It's like a, a servant song all over again, isn't it? Is. It is. Well, I think the, the Lord Jesus chose it because he is the anointed one and he found himself in Isaiah, mm -hmm. just like he found himself in the whole of the Word of God and subjected his whole life to the Word of God. Do you remember the word in Matthew 26, how then would the scripture be fulfilled? He bound his life to the word of God. So he found himself here uh, and it, it provided such a description of his incarnate ministry. See, that's right. The brokenhearted, the captives released from darkness, the prisoners. He went that. about go doing good and healing, like Peter says in Acts 10. And notice that when, he, when the Lord Jesus used this chapter in Luke, he... he he, he didn't say the bit about the day of vengeance of our God, the acceptable year of the Lord, and then he stopped. Mm -hmm. Because vengeance is not part of his incarnate ministry. Mm -hmm. He came not to judge but to save. Mm -hmm. But it is part See, of his coming there. ministry. That's, yeah, that is fascinating too. Yes. Oh. So, it, yes, and that it can't, once we get the, it coloured by Christ and what he is yeah. today, uh, it helps us hugely. I'm looking also at chapter 62 and 63, really, when you look at those two chapters. It seems to describe uh, the Lord's coming for his bride, the church, mm -hmm. in both wedding terms at 62. <laughs> verse 5, as a young man marries a maiden, so will your sons marry. He was a bridegroom, rejoices over his bride, so will your God rejoice over you. Verse 5, and battle terms, battle terms as well. Yeah. Actually, if you look at, well... 63, and those oh. opening verses there. Mm. What now? I mean, let's try to understand, friends, why that day of God needs to be a judgment before it can be a wedding. Yeah. Have I got that right? It's powerful, Richard. I know, and it's funny because uh, recently I was studying Revelation 19, and it's the same thing. The marriage feast of the Lamb is also the rider on the white horse going out to war. Mm. And it's these two things all together. That it's this inc I love that description of this wedding time in Isaiah 62 and these names like Hephzibah, Beulah, you know, <laughs> married and, and all the... It's lovely things. It's this wedding yeah. scene. And then you hit 63. Who's this coming from Eden? Covered in blood, sort of, and been in fighting. And these... So it's the bridegroom, the warrior... Going to war. I think it's like it's a theme that's come up several times through our studies. The way that it's a judgment because he's coming to, well, in a way, he's coming to get rid of all the wickedness and evil of the world to prepare this to be the home of righteousness. Mm. This is to be the, the marriage home 
forever and ever, where the living God will dwell with his people forever. Well, it can't be that as it is now. He's, he's already described all the wickedness, all the injustice, all the adultery, all the religion that, that, that spoils the world and, bring, and, and alienates the Lord God from his people. So yes, that on that day, yes, it's a day of vengeance. It's described as, and he comes and he gets rid of all this, finally. It's, I think sometimes, Richard, you've described it as a day of a, it's an at last, at last, like Babylon is fallen, at last everything is cleared away, all the rebellion and wickedness and evil. And then that way, it's like, and now... Let's rejoice the wedding feast of the Lamb. Never again will we be worried about death and injustice and pain and evil. It's the, that's why the two go together. Yeah, indeed. That's very helpful. Anything to add to that, Alec, before I move on? I was, when, he, when Paul was talking, I was thinking of the parable of the bridesmaids, mm. where it says, and the door was shut. Oh, yeah. mm. It shuts out, but it also shuts in. Oh, Yes. And it's the longing of the bridegroom to be alone with his yes. own. Mm. Yes. And then the, bri- the bridegroom coming over the. Oh, that's right. There's a bridegroom coming over the, coming over the hills, at sunrise. Sun. And that's a great, great song that I've heard sung as a solo. We're looking forward to that day more than we can possibly say. Glory. Oh my! Well, you know, that, as I look on it. 63, uh, at the point that there's a song of remembrance, really, when we think about it. Mm. There's mention of the Father, verse 16, Christ as the angel of his presence, verse 9. I think it's Christ there. The Holy Spirit, 10 and 11. Oh, yeah. Holy Spirit. <laughs> we could ask ourselves, I suppose, what is the point of this song of remembrance? Mm. And, and ask ourselves about that, either Alec or Paul. Mm. It's again, it's like going back to Abraham as the rock. We go, we go back to the great deeds of God in the past, especially the Exodus. Mm. But all his great deeds tell us what he is, the unchangeable God, mm. but especially the Exodus. Mm. And, and here, where, where Isaiah envisages the Lord's people as still in the captivity of this world, which is actually where we are, we need to be reminded that he is the God of the Exodus, ever the God who comes down to Egypt to save his people and, 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 and defeat his foes. Yes. And yes. That's, that's really that wonderful, wonderful reassuring passage there, what he did in the past. He will do preeminently when Jesus comes again. Mm. That's right. That so, will be the final coming down to Egypt. Yeah. That's the wonderful thing about it. We're not moving in an endless circle. No, we're not. It's a linear thing. We're moving on towards the finality of it all. And yet yet we're not leaving anything behind. Truth in the Bible is cumulative Mm. until we reach the final Mm. consummating truth. Mm. And then, you know, let's go on. If we may look at chapter 64... Oh, that reminder that even our most righteous acts are like filthy rags. Mm. So we take that to heart as we read that. But then also as we move on to, well, 65 tells us about the Lord God and his gospel heart. Oh, I love this because, yeah, when you read 64.6 and you think, oh, even the very best things and most religious or whatever I do, 
Isaiah's, no, it's all just, that's all rubbish. You mm-hmm. got, that's not going to buy the Lord's favour. Filthy rags, chapter 64, yeah, verse 6. six. It's, there's nothing there. You can't, hold, you can't buy the Lord Filthy with rags. that. Mm-hmm. And so what are we to do? Well, I just love it when he says, to the nation that didn't call on my name, 65.1, I said, here am I. Well, I like it because Isaiah was the one in the presence of the Lord. In, in, he says, here I am. And then there's the Lord really to everybody in the world saying, well, here I am. Here I am. You haven't thought about me. You've ignored me. You've got, but here I am. Listen, here That's I am. The, the universal call of chapter 55 all over again. All over again. Yeah. And all day long he holds out his hands to obstinate people who walk in ways that are not good. It's he loves his enemies and so patiently all day long keeps stretching out his hands. Here I am. Here I am. Just come to me. And I love it because he so patiently all day long keeps seven where it talks about Kedar and Nebaioth. Those are the Ishmaelites. Mm. And sometimes people, oh, the Ishmaelites, there's no hope for the Ishmaelites. They're so rebellious. Or whatever. Mm. It's good. And yet they're the ones, back in 60, they come to this light of Christ. And I love that. There's everybody in the Bible, the Edomites, the Moabites, they've all, it's the gospel, here I am. The universal here I am. church. Yeah. Universal, though. Every nation, regardless of religious background, nationality, anything, here I am, says the Lord. Of any culture. And that's the astounding thing. I mean, we meet sometimes with people who've been in prison. Oh, I've met, I've met people who've been terrorists with mm. guns and bombs who actually come to accept that Christ come has come Christ. for them. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I love it. There's only one way to God, that is Christ. But there are so many routes to Christ many, many. from all the nations and backgrounds of the world. Oh, that's very mm. wonderful. Well, we're nearly at the end, actually, of our study. I mean, we've got just time. The book of Isaiah has so much to say about that, that last day of judgment, of course, and resurrection. And so from chapter 65, verse 17, it seems that we're taken right into that glorious future. Mm. What do you suppose Isaiah wants us to know about the future? Alec? Well, how glorious it is. Mm. And that it's certain. There is nothing more certain than the new heaven and the new earth. That's our destiny. Our, our immediate destiny on death is to be with Christ, which is far better, but it's not our ultimate destiny. We can only think in linear terms, of course, but our ultimate destiny is when he comes again and we receive resurrection bodies and we are full, complete at last, and, and, and the whole environment around us yes. is redeemed by the same blood. A new creation. And he's, that's it. We're looking towards a return, a yeah. great yeah. return at the end yeah. of all time. And even the animals and the environment yeah. and the whole creation. <laughs> do, you, do you remember the children when finally they got to the ultimate Narnia? They looked at it and said, well, it is Narnia, but we've never seen it like this before. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, the C.S. Lewis in the last battle yeah, is that. Right, yeah. yes. yes. And, oh. and th- that is as near as we can get to an appreciation of a new heaven and a new earth. Mm-hmm. It will be familiar, and yet we'll have never seen it like that. No, and we should say, oh, I didn't know it would be like this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. What, that's what the situation would be. Friends, we're at an end, I think, of our, study, of our ten studies, in fact. We're grateful to the friends who've been joining us in study. And you know, it's sure, if you've got a strong view of the future, and the present will make a lot of sense. If you've got a poor view of the future, the present will never make any real sense 
at all. We're grateful for this book of Isaiah. God has spoken to us through it. And we'll have now a prayer and then just a final rounding off. Let me pray for us. God, our Father, we thank you for the gift of messengers who brought your word to us in the scriptures. We thank you for the prophet Isaiah. We thank you that he was given time to develop his prophecy through the reigns of four kings. We thank you for the words of encouragement as well as those words of challenge and reality that have faced us. May we be built better in our love of you and in the development of our own perfectly rounded off worldview centering in Jesus Christ our Lord. Mm. We ask all of these things for his name's sake. Amen. 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 Well, she, as I was a great writer, there was a wonderful daughter of General Booth of the Salvation Army. She was Kate Booth. They called her the Maréchal. They gave her a title in France when she was there because she was so bold. She would end off all of her letters with the word, Yours ever in blood and fire, the Maréchal. <laughs> I think that Isaiah could well have ended off his prophecy to us all with the words, Yours ever in blood and fire. Isaiah. <laughs> we'll come back with another book one day. God bless you. <laughs>